0: to find my place, okay yeah
1: Welcome to the First Universalist Unitarian Church. My name is Amy Place and I'm a member of this congregation. I want to extend a special welcome to any visitors joining us this morning. Since 1858, UU Wausau has served as a vital voice for liberal religion in central Wisconsin. We are an intentionally free society that welcomes all people just as you are, regardless of age, sexual orientation, ethnicity, or economic situation. Wherever you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. Between Sundays, we'd love to have you at one of our classes or events. So be sure to subscribe to the church's newsletter and follow us on Facebook or Instagram for updates. I have a few announcements I want to draw your attention to. The first one is a doozy. The Community Focus collection donation from last week, a big thank you to our congregation $868 $868 was raised through the Community Focus Collection. This money has been donated to the Wasa Free Clinic. The Wine, Cheese and Leadership event is on Friday, December 1st, from 6.30 to 8.30. We're holding this event to express our gratitude to the Board of Trustees. We hope you have RSVP'd and we look forward to seeing you there. Mark your calendars. On December 8th, members of the congregation will be hosting the Second Friday Nighters event in their home. Socialize, enjoy each other's company and share some yummy food. Please watch the Circuit Writer newsletter for more information and a form to RSVP. And lastly, a reminder of the annual meeting. As required by the board bylaws, an annual meeting of the congregation will be held Sunday, December 3rd at 11.45 a.m. after the service The meeting will be held here in the sanctuary. All are welcome to attend. As we begin our worship together, let us take a moment to extend peace and blessing to one another. Please rise and greet your neighbors. As we begin our worship together, let us take a... Oh, I read that part already. Sorry. (laughs) Dear friends, let us gather our hearts and minds for worship. Please join me in reciting the chalice lighting. The words are written in your order of worship. We light this chalice for the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the fire of commitment. We light this symbol of our faith as we gather together. Please rise, embody your spirit for our opening hymn, number 301, Touch the Earth, Reach the Sky. The mission and ministry of uu Wasa is made possible by the generous support of its friends and members. You can place a gift in the basket as it passes by. You can also stop by our website, uuwasa.org, to make a one-time or recurring gift with your credit or debit card. Thank you for your support.
2: to invite everyone to join me in the spirit of prayer and meditation. If your legs can cross, I want to encourage you to uncross them. Put your feet flat, firm on the ground. If you're comfortable closing your eyes, now is a good time to close them. start by focusing our attention first focus your attention on the room the air stirring in it the generous people who make up the congregation this morning now move your attention into your mind Take a moment, if you can, to quiet your racing thoughts. And then move your attention downwards into your jaw. And if there's any tension in there, let it out. Now move your attention downwards into your chest. Take a deep breath in. And slow out. And another full breath, but this time down into your stomach. In and slowly out. And let us pray. O life, we long for a day of singing of everlasting joy and gladness when sorrow and sighing flee away. And yet we look at the world around us and see that these hopes and prayers go unfulfilled. And so we cry out for justice, for peace, and for healing. We hold tenderly in our affection immigrants and migrants who hope for a better life for themselves and their children, but too often find rejection and misery. We pray for the imprisoned, those who hope for a better life when they are released, but too often are barred from work, from homes, from families. We lift up those whose lives are marked by poverty and need, for those who are sick or in pain, for those who are broken in spirit or mind, that the good news of prophets from every age will come true. Let us call to mind all the joys and sorrows in our lives and let us meditate on them in silence together now. Amen. Please stay seated for prayer hymn number 168 in the Gray Book, One More Step. Reading this Sunday I selected is a poem by Elizabeth Alexander entitled, Praise Song for the Day. The poet writes, each day we go about our business walking past each other, catching each other's eyes or not, about to speak or speaking. All about us is noise, all about us is noise and bramble, thorn, and din, each one of our ancestors on our tongues. Someone is stitching up a hymn, darning a hole in a uniform, patching a tire, repairing the things in need of repair. Somewhere someone is trying to make music with a pair of wooden spoons on an oil drum, with cello, boombox, harmonica voice. A woman and her son wait for the bus. A farmer considers the changing sky. A teacher says, take out your pencils, begin. We encounter each other in words, words spiny or smooth, whispered or declaimed, words to consider, to reconsider. We cross dirt roads and highways that mark the will of someone and then others who said, I need to see what's on the other side. I know there's something better down the road. We need to find a place where we are safe. We walk into that which we cannot see. So say it plain, that many have died for this day. Sing the names of the dead who brought us here, who laid the train tracks, raised the bridges, picked the cotton and the lettuce, built brick by brick the glittering edifices they would keep clean and work inside of. Praise song for the struggle. praise song for the day. praise song for every hand-lettered sign, the figure-it-out kitchen tables. Some live by love thy neighbor as thyself. Others by first do no harm or take no more than you need. What if the mightiest word is love? Love beyond marital, filial, national, love that cast a widening pool of light love with no need to preempt grievance in today's sharp sparkle this winter air anything can be made any sentence begun on the brink on the brim on the cusp praise song for walking forward in that light here ends our reading Well, I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Every year, my family hosts Thanksgiving at our house for members of our extended family who join us from out of town. This year, we had our St. Louis family up. Now, mind you, they've driven a long way to a very cold place, and so we try to do everything we can to make it fun and comfortable. And usually around the end of worship on the Sunday before Thanksgiving, so last Sunday I do what I always do, I start stocking up on the goodies that we're going to need to keep everybody cozy and everybody fed. And so after my second or third or maybe my fourth trip to the store, a certain someone in my house said that I tend to take something that is supposed to be fun and I turn it into a burden and I drain all of the joy out of what's supposed to be a nice relaxing time. This is my superpower. Now, as you might imagine, I received this bit of quote-unquote constructive criticism a little less than cheerfully. But as usual, this particular person I live with was right on the money. In other words, in this season of Thanksgiving, I was suffering from gratitude deficiency. And so every year around Thanksgiving, if you don't notice this very annoying feature in American culture, newspapers and magazines publish countless articles on the science of gratitude that detail how extremely beneficial it is and how you can exercise your gratitude and get better at it. But making yourself more grateful is harder than it sounds, at least it is for me. And so this year in the Atlantic, Arthur Brooks, who I like to read, Harvard's so-called professor of happiness, he published a piece called, quote, Four Ways to Be Grateful and Happier. First, he tells us, quote, gratitude is very similar to exercise, end quote. You would be like me if you wanted to stop reading the article as soon as it said, it's like exercise. But that's another way of saying that gratitude isn't always fun and games. It can also be work. So then he lists the steps. Are you ready? Get out your pens. One, make thankfulness an interior discipline. Think about it. Internalize it, right? Two, make it an outward expression. Say thank you to someone, right? Give someone a hug. Number three, make it a sacred duty. Make it something that is a bit of a ritual. Make it into words of worship. Do it regularly. Finally, Brooks assures us: quote, if you commit to this regimen, your life will change. Now you won't feel grateful every second, you're still human, but gratitude will become a fixed point around which you will live your life. And this will make you a stronger, happier person. End quote. Now, I assume almost everyone wants to be stronger and happier and more grateful. If you're here and you don't want to be those things, I think that's very strange. But I'm glad you're here. I know I want to be all of those things. And I know a few people in this church, forgive me for saying this, but I know a few people in this church who could use a little more gratitude. I didn't look at anyone while I said that. After all, if you are a human being, and I'm assuming that is a category into which we all claim membership, then you are familiar with something psychologists call negativity bias. Is everybody here familiar with this concept? So the amount of evidence verifying negativity bias is so overwhelming, it is effectively pointless to list the hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of global studies that show how we give our attention way more to our negative feelings and opinions than we do to our positive ones. How many of you can be feeling really, really good and someone says something critical and instantly you think about that critical thing for the rest of the day? So in the Wausau Daily Herald's Thanksgiving edition of the newspaper, I think Louie and I are the only two people who get the actual hard copy of the Wausau Daily Herald. But if you get it, three people, all right. It included this really wonderful article on gratitude. And in it, a psychologist by the name of Helen Vang, she says this, quote, we want everything to be better. We want everything to taste better, to be more abundant. We want more, we want more, we want more. And then it becomes really hard to be grateful, end quote. Now, Dr. Vang's advice is great, but I don't think you need a PhD To know that people default to grumpy know-it-alls because, as Saints Jagger and Saints Richard said, we can't get no satisfaction. Wang goes on to say, quote, gratitude is usually sharpened or strengthened when we struggle. Most of us don't tend to know how grateful we are until something stinks, Joni Mitchell, if you've ever heard of her, she's kind of popular. She sang this song 65 years ago with this line, you don't know what it's got. Anybody want to finish it for me? Till it's gone. That's right. You don't know what you got till it's gone. What Joni Mitchell and the Rolling Stones and the scientists and the doctors and the happiness professors want you to get through your thick skull is that you don't have to wait until you're struggling to see that you should have been more grateful all along. And you should start working on it right now. So here are some pro tips from the Herald. It goes like this. You should maybe consider stopping yourself from venting about everything you hate at the end of the day. How many of you bore your partner with everything bad about your day job at some point in the evening? Don't raise your hand. Instead, the Daily Herald said, try listing a few things you love about yourself. Just think if you ended the day like that. I love this about me. And then you turned your attention to your partner, to your kid, or to your friend. And you listed a few things I love about you. It also says that it's normal to want to improve things. Unitarian Universalists, they love to want to improve things. Your idea people. It's normal to want to improve things. But here is the rub. It becomes a problem when you are constantly dissatisfied with the gifts and the people in your life because you do not think they're enough. You see the fine line? We want to improve. I can't stop telling you how bad you are. So, in this season of gratitude, one of my favorite things to rewatch is Michael Garrison's 2019 sermon at the Washington National Cathedral. As many of you probably know, Michael Gerson died this year. He was just 58 years old. Gerson had this very remarkable career. Fresh out of college, he was picked and then went on to write for former President George W. Bush as his speechwriter. And then after Bush's two terms in office, he became a popular author and a very popular columnist for the Washington Post. And by the end of his short life, he was plagued by not only Parkinson's disease, He also had kidney cancer, and the year he spoke at the National Cathedral, he had just been released after being hospitalized for major depressive disorder. He talks about how when you're in the pits of depression, all the terrible things you think about yourself, they seem true. If any of you have ever been depressed, you know what he's talking about. You think it's true whenever you think to yourself that you really are a failure or that your friends don't love you, or that you don't have a future. But he tells us that there in the hospital under professional care and well-medicated, the fog of all this negativity slowly started to lift. First, he felt thankful for the doctors and the nurses and the therapists, all these people out there in the world who've trained to understand the mind better than we do. Friends, who run into the burning building of our lives to rescue us. All those people who suffer with depression out there, who are part of this community of the wounded, who are brave enough to share their story to help others feel not so alone. So Garrison's story is a reminder, among other things, that even in the darkest nights of despair, glimmers of a world larger than the confines of your mind, they can get in little glimpses of beauty and love, little glimpses that get you to wonder whether there's more than despair, whether there's more than our own default negativity. What Garrison says is that the disease of depression works as a metaphor for the human condition, and it works because of our innate negativity bias. Look around Turn on the news at any time of any day, and you will see plenty of reasons for doubt, for anger, and sadness. Turn on the TV, and you see wars and famine. You read statistics about kidnapped children, typhoons, earthquakes, fires, long lines at food pantries. And Gerson says, quote, if we knew or felt the whole of human suffering, we would drop down in despair. By all objective evidence, we are arrogant animals headed for the extinction that is the way of all things. We like to imagine that we are like gods and still drop dead like flies on the windowsill, end quote. The attendant feature to humankind's arrogance and destruction is that in a world with so much evidence to the contrary, love and meaning often arrive right out of the blue. If you're like me, maybe you've been standing behind someone at a grocery store and you hear something that they say to someone on the other end of the phone and then you've got a lump in your throat. Or you're out on a winter walk and you turn a corner and you catch a scene that stops you in your tracks. You see on the news how many people rush into harm's way to help people in tragedy. Or you walk into this church and the light cuts into the stained glass. It's all little moments of the unexplained wonder of life. And so Garrison, he started thinking about moments like this after a friend of his named Catherine discovered, shortly after her first child was born, something she calls a love much greater than evolution requires. I love that line. A love much greater than evolution requires. My own experience of love is tied to magical moments too and maybe it's true for you. Moments like when I felt called to the ministry. Moments like when someone you're hanging out with and someone you've been smooching on, suddenly they transform, and they become a pitter-patter in your heart. Moments when the curtain to the stage of my life gets pulled back to reveal a world much, much larger than the scenes and the actors unfolding in the life of Brian moments when I see that the world is bigger and that it comes to people in ways I've never even thought of, but it comes. Sometimes these doors are opened by religion, but not always. Speaking personally as a Christian, I believe that my faith nudges me to at least consider that this is possible. Consider the birds, I'm told. Consider the lilies. It's a metaphor that asks me to pause at times to remember that there is a sufficiency to life and that it's held not by a force, but by a face, as Gerson puts it. That behind the fabric of existence is a love that binds. Now for you, it might be acts of service or deep in meditation or in a song or kissing someone you love or watching your kid figure out how to do something they've been struggling with. Maybe for you, it's just that you woke up this morning. Maybe for you, it's that you're relatively healthy. Maybe for you, it's that you woke up on Thanksgiving morning with a house full of guests, with nothing more than laughter for you, hugs for you, and for people to tell you how good your food is, even though you burnt just about everything around the edges. How to become aware of the reality of love greater than evolution requires it has no set recipe. Now, I tend to have to be reminded of this in dramatic fashion, and don't get me wrong whenever I say this, I don't say that because I'm special. I'm actually quite dense. My negativity bias is way better than yours in all the wrong ways. Let me pause to acknowledge that maybe this idea of growing in gratitude is hard for you because sadness at this moment seems your only friend. Maybe you're sick or someone you love is. It's hard to feel grateful sometimes. Therapy's been a good option for me. Medication has been a good option for me. But these are not the only options. There's the ministry of this church. There's God. There's the undeniable fact that life gives us a lot to gripe and cry about, but that it also gives us a lot to laugh at and love too. I think that the best way to describe life is that it's a joke and it's a journey. And I, for one, am grateful for humor, for the ability my my beloveds have to laugh at me in a way that makes me feel seen and whole. I'm also grateful that middle-aged, I'm about to turn 40, has given me a few tools to take myself less seriously, and lucky for you, to take you less seriously too. I think Brooks' list of how to be more grateful and happy, I think it needs a fifth piece of advice, and that is not to forsake a generous sense of humor. After all, in a world filled with a million things to worry about, what better defense is there than a willingness to feel joy? One of my favorite poems is by Jack Gilbert. It's entitled, A Brief for the Defense. And in it, he says this, he says, if we deny our happiness, resist our satisfaction, we lessen the importance of their deprivation. Here's the great line, we must risk delight. We can do without pleasure, but not delight, not enjoyment. We must have the stubbornness to accept our gladness and the ruthless furnace of the world. To make injustice the only measure of our attention is to praise the devil. So be stubborn for happiness. I know I want to be more stubborn for happiness. A stubbornness to take yourself less seriously, your gripes, your arrogance, your humorlessness. And so this year... I'm most grateful for laughter and for happiness. I'm also grateful for all the things that inspire it. And some of those things for me are my daughter's endless ability to charm me and surprise me. Another thing I'm happy for is my wife's grace at laughing off one of my many, many imperfections. My friend's and family's generosity reminds me just how lucky I am. I'm grateful because these are glimmers of a world larger than the confines of my mind. Little glimpses of beauty and love. Little glimpses that assure there's more than despair, more than my tendency towards negativity. And so now, friends, this is your turn to be brave, to do something in this service. I invite you to come forward to this microphone right here. I even put a podium for you to pretend to hide behind if that makes you feel more comfortable to share something you're grateful for. And if you're feeling a little nervous, if you're sort of on the edge about saying something this morning that you're grateful for, remember Arthur Brooks, who is Harvard's professor of happiness, so he must be smart. Remember what he said, gratitude is like exercise. Your armpits might sweat a little bit as you talk, but that's okay. Because one of the ingredients to a life with less negativity is a stubbornness to live gratefully and to risk delight. And so I dare you, come forward and share some of your gratitude with us now. The microphone's open.
3: I'd like to say thank you to you all. I'm grateful that I get to experience uh, the love and generosity of all of you people here. And um, it was amazing moving to Wausau. Uh, I had a instantly more than a hundred new friends. And truly you all been friendly to me and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for this universe Made it possible for us to have four seasons here. And the beauty we see, the beautiful snow, first, not first snow, but first snow, white, and it's just wonderful looking outside this morning. We can put up with what it comes with it, but it's something to be grateful for. And I'd like to say also thank you, thank, thank you to Anna for inviting me up here so that I could experience this warmth and joy and friendliness of y'all here. Thank you.
0: My husband is dying and I'm grateful that today we'll be able to celebrate his 90th birthday, which is tomorrow, and family and friends are coming together, and we're going to have a wonderful day, and everybody's gonna be able to express their love to him, and he's gonna be able to understand one more day that his life has just reached so many people's lives and people's hearts, and I'm grateful for every day that he's still here with me. I am grateful for everyone who has ever loved me and the ones who came before, whose love allowed all those people who've loved me to love me. And I'm also really grateful for um, an Iroquois teacher, Amalie, who, um, who died about three years ago but one of her uh, assignments to us was to thank our teachers. And she said, I'm not just talking about your good teachers. I'm talking about the ones who taught you a way not to be. And that was uh, an amazing, startling idea to me, to thank somebody who was rotten. Okay, sure. And But I found that I... I could thank my good teachers, and um, I was able to thank a former partner who I'd stayed angry with for four years, and I actually found two things to be grateful for. And I, it was like, whoa, gratitude can release me from anger? And it did. It was truly awesome, so thank you all.
4: Well, I'm very grateful for all the support I've received and during my life. And I'll just share something that just happened to me. I just was on a vacation and I was able to swim three miles in the ocean on a uh, swim from one island to another. And I was amazed I was able to do that. At first I was saying, wow, you're really good, Lee. And then I looked at all the support I got to be able to do that. My wife spent a lot of time correcting me, giving me advice, however we want to look at it. Depends each day. Uh, I swam at the pool and all the lifeguards who uh, were there, so I was able to swim, all the people who would swim with me. If you swim at the Y, you have to share a lane, which is not something we all like to do. And Cheryl Hemp watched our cat when we were gone. Such a great gift that was. And uh, then the people I swam with in the ocean, Uh, Usually when I go on these trips, I'm the slowest swimmer, so I'm always swimming by myself. But this time, the universe gave me a guy named Cliff from New York, who swam the exact same speed I did the entire time. We swam all the swims we did, he was right there. And then there was a group of four of us, and two people were much faster than us, so they would come back and be with us so we'd get together. And I realized that... uh, I just stopped swimming after about 10 minutes that I've been by myself. Because of all the support I had, I was able to keep going. And uh, I've had a life of that, and most of my life, I never saw those people there with me. I always thought, boy, you're pretty good, Lee. You could do this on your own. (laughs) And one of the gifts of being older is I just see all the wonderful support that I've been given. I'm very grateful for that.
5: This one is for the grandparents out there. Um, My son is a physical therapist at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, and my daughter-in-law is a surgeon. Um, This is, she's just out of school in June, the only, so they had very little time. They have three boys, eight, five, and one. So their one holiday to Wausau, their one visit to Wausau every year was Thanksgiving and this year my son pulled the Wednesday and Friday shift so he was unable to make it but my daughter-in-law was going to visit her family in Ashwaubenon and take the you know the three boys with her and I said to my son oh do you suppose Elin could stop here and you know just say hi to me oh you know she has the three boys you know they're sleeping on and on and I said okay well that's fine I'll see you at Christmas then well I had a party at my house or a little family gathering at my house on Thanksgiving, and um, at we were eating at 2 o'clock, and right about that time, the doorbell rang, and my sister said, did you invite somebody we don't know about, and it never entered my mind, but my daughter-in-law had decided to stop with the boys, and I was, I don't see them very often, I'm, it's 230 miles to Rochester, and I'm, I'm still working, so um, I don't get to see them as often as I would like but it was the biggest surprise because I really thought they weren't going to be there and I was just so excited to see, I call them my babies, but they're eight, five and one, like I said, so it it was a great Thanksgiving for me.
6: Last week I received some mail from the UUA in which the word thanks, grieving, was used. This term perfectly describes my conflicting views on the holiday. On one hand, I am thankful for my German and Irish ancestors. Like immigrants to this country today, they came here seeking a better life for themselves and their children. In 1852, my ancestors we were among the first to farm northwest of Wassa in the town of Berlin. It had to, be, had to have been very difficult work. On the other hand, I know that they built their farms on the ceded territories of Native people. I believed the sugar coated version of the first Thanksgiving as a child, but in the 1990s, I learned that for many Native Americans, especially those on the East Coast, Thanksgiving is a national day of mourning. They do not celebrate the arrival of the pilgrims and other European settlers. I don't blame them. And I am thankful, though, that Native people survived near genocide and attempts to erase their culture. Today, they are on the front lines of climate action, showing us how to do the difficult work needed so that all our children and grandchildren can have a better life. My hope is that we can repair our relationships with the Earth and also the people whose ancestors were here first.
5: Hello, everybody. It's fun to be here, as it always is. I love coming here. I want to just say that I noticed at our family gathering something that children have that I admire, and that is their courage to go on to try it again. Um, They can forgive bad stuff a lot easier than I can, and I really appreciate that. I'll leave it at that. I'm very grateful for this community. As a now second year member, I am very struck by how important coming together and being in community is. It's not brand new for me. I have had another faith community that was supportive. However, I really am impressed with all of you. Brian, you're a great leader. Thank you. And without you, Margaret, I wouldn't have these tears. (laughs) Thank you.
3: I am grateful to be still able to do this.
6: And Pratt I'm Louie's daughter and I'm certainly grateful for for him uh, but I've been sitting here I, I'm visiting from New York um, but I grew up in this church I was dedicated in this church and I've been sitting here thinking of how lucky I am to have been raised in this church where um, faith was a spirit of inquiry and not you know. A, uh, a received truth. Um, it, has, it's, it really was so formative to my life, and I am grateful to, I, I don't know how many of you uh, recognize me, but to the world that this church creates.
5: Hi, I'm Jill. I I was reluctant to get up here, but uh, I must tell you I'm not reluctant to say thank you to people who do great things for me, and that is my husband. He is the most loving human being. (laughs) And my children came from Arizona. My son and his daughter-in-law came and he truly was their father even though he isn't by body, he is by spirit and it was just so loving. Thank you.
2: If there's no one else to share I'll say my gratitude for the church staff Margaret, especially, your music. As I say, it's a Sunday into itself. Melody, who's running the sound, who isn't technically a member of the staff, but was temporarily. Um, Chris, um, Carolyn, who's there in the back. Um, and then also, Prevailing Winds. You kind of make this, uh, this post-Thanksgiving Sunday uh, a bit of a, a tradition here, I think. So I'm, I'm grateful for your hot air that you blow every, <laughs> every Sunday after Thanksgiving. It, it means a lot. With that, let's rise and sing our closing hymn in the Gray Book, number 201, Glory, Glory, Hallelujah. I want to give a special thank you especially to those of you who came up to share, all of you for being here this morning. And if you've received this benediction, I invite you to reach out and take the hand of someone nearby. If you're here alone, reach out with your heart. May the truth that sets us free and the hope that never dies and the love that casts out fear lead us forward together until the day spring breaks and all shadows flee away. Have a seat, relax and enjoy the postlude.